0: Can you tell us a little bit about yourself independent of children's literature? Is that possible?
1: What, is there a me outside of children's literature? Well, hold on, hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Hey
0: everyone, I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next, episode 49. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader, what should I read next? We don't get bossy on this show, what we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Today, we're kicking off a special five-day mini-series, What Should I Read Next for Kids and Kids at Heart? We're focusing on a variety of young and young at heart topics, children's literature, coming of age stories, literary heroines, kidlit for grown-ups, and more. We have a terrific lineup of guests for the week, and we'll be talking all about the pleasures of reading for a lifetime, whether you're six or 26 or 106. Today's episode is sponsored by Brightly, a website that helps parents raise kids who love to read. It's packed with resources to help you find books your kids will love. Search for great books by age, from toddlers to teens, or by popular topics, whether you want graphic novels or diverse books or something for a kid who's obsessed with Harry Potter. You'll also find plenty of tips and advice to help you and your kids get the most out of your reading experience. Check it out at readbrightly.com. I'm so excited to welcome Sarah McKenzie onto the show today because you've been asking for her for a long time since the very beginning of this podcast. That's because Sarah is the creator of the Read Aloud Revival a blog, podcast, and member site devoted to helping you make lasting and meaningful connections with your kids through books. In this episode, we dive into Sarah's personal reading journey, talk about her family favorites, share tips for encouraging reluctant readers, and give tips for giving books to kids. We also share personalized book recommendations with real kids who got in touch with us through the newsletter. I can't wait to share this one with you. Stick around after my chat with Sarah for a super special way you can participate in the Reading for a Lifetime discussion this week. Here's Sarah. Sarah, welcome to the show. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Well, I am thrilled to have you. From the very beginning, people have been saying, get Sarah McKenzie. We want to hear Sarah McKenzie. So today is their lucky day
1: well it's fun for me to come talk to you about grown up books because i'm always talking about kid books which is of course a blast and i love talking about kid books on the read aloud revival but i've been excited to come chat with you too well we get to talk a little bit about kid books but that's lucky where i'm most you. comfortable anyway that's what i read more <laughs> than
0: anything else so <laughs> it's good so we're kicking off what should i read next for kids and kids at heart today with you i am really excited to hear about your adult books because you know we never hear about your reading journey as a person on the podcast or at least it gets way overshadowed by the kids because it is the read aloud revival you know so i want to hear all about the read aloud part but first let's talk about you can you tell us a little bit about yourself independent of children's literature is that possible what is there a me outside of children's literature well hold on hold on (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like taboo don't use the word book but give us your biography.
1: As a kid, I was a voracious reader. I read like Babysitter's Club and uh, Roald Dahl and just stuff. I, I fell in love with reading when I was young. I don't really remember a time when I wasn't reading. I wasn't reading like really good, high quality children's literature or anything. I just read whatever I found on the shelf that looked interesting. I was totally into um, the Anastasia books. Oh, I read <laughs> those? those.
0: I did. I did. I figured. Her yeah. name was too long and the letters went into her armpit. Yeah. <laughs> we drive by a house that has a little tower almost every day in our neighborhood and I every single day almost I think about Anastasia Krupnik because of that tower.
1: Oh, that is too much. I love it. Okay. So yeah, so I read this a lot as a child, but then um and I read when I- So we have six – my husband and I have six kids, and they're now between the ages of 15 and three, the youngest are three-year-old twin boys. And when our oldest kids were little, I would read to them bedtime stories and, you know, just normal. I would read to them a little bit every day. Uh, But it wasn't until they were probably some – you know, maybe eight, six, and four or six something like that, where I had heard Andrew Putowa from the Institute for Excellence in Writing talk about how the best way to help your children become good communicators was to memorize poetry and to read aloud a ton. And he was really calling for parents whose kids were reading on their own to keep reading aloud to their kids just a ton and to read books that everybody enjoyed, not just the kids. And so that kind of set me on this new journey of being really intentional about having lots of family reading time and making reading a whole family experience. And, um, ever since we've kind of just read aloud a ton of books. My kids are all voracious readers as well. And then now I read, I would say I read probably, I don't even know the ratio, maybe five or six, maybe more than that kids books for every you know, grown up book that I read. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I'm a very steeped in kid lit. Um, But the great thing is, I really think that there's a C.S. Lewis quote that we quote all the time Mm -hmm. on the Read Aloud Revival podcast, that a children's story that's only enjoyed by children is not a good children's story. And I think that's so true, because I have noticed time and time again, that the books my kids enjoy the most are the ones that I'm enjoying as well. So I love that idea of the whole family enjoying books together rather than it being something we do to our kids or reading for our kids, like giving them vegetables, you know, because it's good for them. What did you love to read as a teen and as a younger adult before you had kids? I read uh, like every single book that was in the library that was in that Christian romance, like Jeanette Oak and Robin Jones Gun and kind of those Christian um, romance books like historical fiction Uh I read a lot of Willow Davis Roberts and I'm trying to remember what else I read is of course I mean the obligatory Anne of Green Gables because that is the best series ever written I'm sure so (laughs) I read that multiple times so yeah that's the kind of stuff that I loved
0: Mm -hmm. I did not expect that that is not how I saw your 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 young reader history but it wasn't I didn't know I had preconceptions until you started talking and then I went
1: what (laughs) And then I said Babysitter's Club, and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> oh, I expected the Babysitter's Club. Okay,
0: okay yeah, okay, yeah, I figured that was par for the course, because we're about the same age, you know. Yep, yep. Yeah. So what about now? What are the last few, you know, okay, we're starting this Kid Week week. Mm-hmm. It's true that good literature is just good literature. You know, Madeline L'Engle said she never set out to write a children's story. She just wrote a good book, and then the marketers put it where they put it. So, however, we, we're asking for grace that we distinguish between grown-ups books and children's books, you know what we mean. We're trying. We're trying. Words are hard. Okay. So what are the last few grown-up books you've read?
1: The last, the most recent ones are, um, I started, so I really loved Lisa Genova. I loved Love Anthony and Still Alice. Uh I started reading... Inside the O'Briens, but I didn't quite get into that one as much. And I don't know if it's just because I had a teetering stack of to-be-read books on my nightstand, and I was just trying to fly through a whole bunch of these kid-lit books that I wanted to read in time for a deadline, or if it's because I just couldn't get... It just didn't pull me in like her others, so... That's the
0: only one by her I didn't finish.
1: Love Anthony is probably my favorite of hers, and I don't know if it's just because it's dealing with nonverbal autistic child, and it just really puts you... she, She has an amazing gift for getting inside... The mind and the life of somebody who's struggling with a neurological disorder of some kind, depending on which book it is. And I just think maybe I didn't get sucked in quite as thoroughly, or maybe it was just that it was too intense, this this newest one. I'm not sure. But it didn't it didn't grab me like the others.
0: Okay. What else besides Lisa Genova?
1: Okay, so what I'm reading right now, I don't know if you like these. I'm kind of like I'm giggling so to my <laughs> I really like the number one ladies' detective agency <gasps> by Alexander McCall Smith. Yes. I, I I was like, I need to know what the gasp means. What does the gasp mean? <laughs> Here's what I need you to
0: know about that author. Okay. He, he came to speak at my local public library and he wore a kilt. Get out. Mm-hmm. For real. For real. For real. It's a delightful accent to match the kilt. Um, he was talking about uh, Emma, a modern retelling, but he oh, got yeah. tons of questions about the number one ladies because everybody who's read that series, I, I mean that series, people are passionate about that series.
1: It's so funny because I do not like series in general. I get very bored with the same characters over and over again. So Uh I, especially like with my kids, I'll read the first book in a series and then tell them if you want to read more, you're on your own. (laughs) (laughs) But even with like my own books, I do the same thing, but that one, I just can't get enough of. Okay, here's the thing. So I read the first book. And I liked it. Okay. I liked it enough to want to pick up the next one. But I uh, was working at the library at the time. And I had this really long commute when I would work. I, w- I worked on call. So I'd work at all the different library branches. And I was working consistently like 45 minutes away. So I would be in that car for an hour and a half each time I worked. And I would listen to an audio book because I'd get in more reading that way. So I started listening to those books on audio. And they are exquisite on Audible. Lisette Lekat. And the way she says, like, <laughs> ma so, so but all of the words that I would pronounce wrong when I was reading it to myself, She, I mean, I don't know. And she does the different voices, and I really enjoy it. So I'm reading The Handsome Man's Deluxe Cafe right now. That is such a good title.
0: <laughs> such a good title. I really like that series, too, but I haven't done them on audio.
1: And, you know, part of the problem with audiobooks is they take so much longer to listen to than yeah, you could just if you sat down and yeah. read it. But if you use it as a way to get more reading in when you couldn't otherwise read, like when you're driving or when you're doing housework or when you're, you know, like running errands or walking the dog or whatever, then it's different because that just is another way to get sneak in more reading rather than slowing you down. Yes, absolutely. I'm with you on that. Okay. So you mentioned working at the library. I worked at the library for three years. I loved it. And it was so great. It was a great job. At the time, our kids were fairly little, two, four, and six, or we just had the three at the time. And- I would work in the evenings on call. And so they would just call me if they had someone call out sick or whatever. I would work in the evenings or on weekends and work at the front desk and help people find books. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, you like I, every but, single time I would think, I can't believe they're paying me. I would do this for free. I, I've been with small children all day and I can come to the library and talk with people about books and just live in the stacks for four hours. They don't even need to pay me for this.
0: <laughs> but they did, great. it was great. Yeah, I didn't know that about you
1: yeah it wasn't very long I mean it was just a few years before we moved to a new town and then I didn't I didn't pick that back up again but
0: yeah it was fun yeah but you're still helping people figure out what to read okay so you've kind of hinted at this but can you walk us through why when it came time to like double down on books and reading and how you wanted to spend your time the read aloud angle was the one you chose tell us how that happened
1: yeah, well, basically, I started reading aloud to my kids a ton after hearing Andrew Puttawa's um, talk called Nurturing Competent Communicators. Mm-hmm. How long ago and was that? That had to have been seven or eight years ago, okay. I think. Uh, that's a guess, but something like that. And um, when I kind of doubled down on reading aloud to my own kids, especially the ones that were starting to read on their own, I saw, yeah, it helped them with their vocabulary. Yes, they became more articulate. Yes, their writing improved. But I was completely floored by the fact that we had this brand new shared vocabulary or like another, I guess, a shared experience, kind of like if you take your whole family to the movie, it gives you this bond, like afterwards you all want to talk about Mm -hmm. it or you see something that reminds you of something you saw in the movie and it makes everybody laugh or can become an inside family joke. That started happening all the time, even with my little kids. And it became probably my favorite way to start spending time with my kids, especially when days get tense or Mm -hmm. you know how parenting is and you start to have a hard time liking (laughs) your children (laughs) am i saying this on air well (laughs) i find that reading with my kids is a way easier way to reconnect with them than say playing a board game or talking or playing sitting down on the floor and playing legos heaven forbid so i can read to my kids and it kind of connects us faster and easier it takes less of a i don't know gumption on my part than almost anything else but it's super effective Okay. So it's effective and enjoyable. Exactly. And what I've noticed is I've got to be enjoying the books too. So there have been several books that, um, I haven't enjoyed reading aloud so much and we ditch them or I'll oftentimes hand them to my readers and say, I know you're really liking this. You can read this one on your own. I'm going to read something else because my number one priority with reading with my kids is that we're enjoying our time together, like creating happy memories and. Making strong connections together. So, we all have to be enjoying ourselves for that to happen. Plus, if you're reading aloud a lot of book with your kids that you don't enjoy, you will put that sucker off and you, it will take you forever to get through a book. Mm-hmm. Ask me how I know this.
0: <laughs> I can only imagine. So, you have quite the age range in your family. Um, so, it sounds very straightforward. Like, you just need a book everybody enjoys, but you need to please three year olds and 15 year olds and you and everybody in the middle how How do you approach that when you're choosing books, and what titles have you really landed on that everybody has loved?
1: Yeah, that could be tricky and my my kids' age spans are really i mean I have a fifteen year old and three year olds and everything kind of in between so um what I have found is kind of grouping the kids. I don't try to read something my 15 year old and my three year old are going to like that's not going to work, but, um, I will group kind of the younger kids. So there's three year old twins and a four year old. We can read something Mm -hmm. together. My older kids are 15, 13 and 11. Now there's a huge difference between my 11 year old son and my 15 year old daughter, but there are some really fantastic books that will appeal to everybody. Uh, there are a few that I have found to be really successful with my multiple ages. And then when I recommend them, people come back and say, I can't believe that worked with my (laughs) six year old and. my 10-year-old. This is crazy. Okay. The Wonderful Wizard of Oz by Frank Baum mm-hmm. is complete. If you've just seen the movie, you really need to read the book because it's a million times better than the movie. It's also not as scary. So if you're worried about your five-year-old or something being scared of the, it's the Wicked Witch of the West is in a single chapter and she's just not nearly as frightening, but the story is so good. So The Wonderful Wizard of Oz was probably one of my all-time favorite read even for me. Mm-hmm. And then The Little House On the Prairie series is fantastic, but I'm going to give a big old caveat here because I tried to read The Little House in the Big Woods with my oldest kids when they were five and three because I was super excited to read them, you know, because I remembered them and I thought, I'm (laughs) going to, everybody loves these books, so we're going (laughs) to love them too. But you know, you can only read so many pages of how exactly long each log was that Pa used to build the cabin before. It's just really long descriptive passage after long descriptive passage, and it can be kind of hard to read aloud. So I always recommend that people listen to the audio version that is read by Cherry Jones, which is magnificent. I mean, truly well done. And that one When we put that one on in the car, the three-year-old and my husband are equally captivated. It is fantastic.
0: Because it's so good. Um, my my even my oldest son, who's thirteen, he really loves Farmer Boy because the way um you know, the way Laura Ingalls Wilder describes food, it does, it kinda goes on forever. But Cherry Jones makes it sound like an advertisement, just on and on about how the table was laden with all these dishes and pumpkin pie and we're all salivating and
1: yeah, if you yeah. want something to appeal to a teen voice. Yeah, that's a hard one to listen to when you have morning sickness. <laughs> me how I know this I'm like oh, okay kids, I'm sorry something else
0: <laughs> what okay, about
1: another one that's really fantastic is Caddy Woodlawn so if you like Little House or if you want one that appeals a little more to your boys then Little House might right off the bat Caddy Woodlawn by Carol Ryrie Brink is possibly just as good <laughs> as Laura Ingalls Wilder
0: high praise what about the younger kids what do they love or what did your kids you know what did they love when they were younger
1: um, well, okay, so for my younger crowd now who are three and four, uh, my twins are three, Claire's four. We read mostly picture books. Um, and we can read a big old stack of picture books. Their favorite current right now is by Ben Hatkey, and it's called Nobody Likes a Goblin. I don't really know why they love it so much, but <laughs> I, I don't know if they've ever loved a book that much. I mean, they are captivated and we'll read it three or four times in a row. And it's it's funny. There's great illustrations. And Ben is a young, really talented artist and author. And so that's it's fun to find books by new author, right? He's not brand new, but newish authors and illustrators that are that well done. But I'm not even sure I know why they love it so much. But I have never met a kid who we've recommended that book to who didn't love it. So <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that's lovely. And then um when they're just kind of at that age where they're starting to listen to chapter books, but so you want to kind of You know, maybe you're ready for doing something more than a picture book, but they're not ready for Little House. I don't think you can go wrong with something by E.B. White. So either Trumpet of the Swan or Charlotte's Web or Stuart Little, any of those are going to be wins.
0: We've also really liked the audio of those. There's a theme here. My voice gets tired. So having good audio books like on your phone or I was gonna say in your pocket, but really I meant in my phone in my pocket. It's really, really helpful. And my kids can turn them on themselves if we get the CDs from the library. Sarah, your mission is to help, I'm totally stating it back to you. These are not Sarah's words, but your mission is to help kids like discover and fall in love with reading and become readers for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed some common themes between adults who love to read and kids who love to read?
1: Okay, so here's something to think about. As a grown up, when you go to your own book club meeting, let's say you just read The Help, right? And you're going to go talk about it with your friends at your book club. Can you imagine if you walked into your book club meeting and somebody said, when you walked in, you need to take this little quiz. We want to make sure that you read the book. And it's a quiz that's like, what happened in the book? Why did this character do this? What happened after this other character did that? It completely would shock you, right? <laughs> Can you imagine? I do always laugh thinking about this because it would be such an affront as a grown up for someone to quiz whether or not we read it before we could talk about it. I don't think but I'd come just... back.
0: You, if know. I read it, I feel like, what do you mean? You want me to take a quiz?
1: Yeah. Well, exactly. And it seems like it would be so. Um, I don't know. It would undercut what could really happen in that book club when you start talking about the actual book. And if somebody can talk about a book, well, then they've very likely read it. But one of the things that we have, we do with kids all the time in school is we do that exact thing. They have to take comprehension quizzes to make sure that they actually read it. So I understand why schools do that. But I think at home, we have this really unique opportunity as parents to help our kids fall in love with reading and to completely um, step outside of that schoolish way of thinking about reading and just talk to our kids about what they're reading like we're book club, like we're all in a book club together, like we're allies or friends or just book club peeps, instead of being, you know, parent, child, teacher, student kind of relationship. And when we do that, um, what I find with my kids is when I'm really open to having these organic, chatty conversations about books, and they don't think I'm quizzing them or drilling them or looking for the right answer. They're really excited to talk to me about what they're reading, and they're really open to my suggestions. So they don't feel like I'm recommending something because it's Good for them, or because mm-hmm. it's on grade level, mm-hmm. but because I really loved this book, and I bet you will too. Mm-hmm.
0: Which is how a lot of readers rediscover reading in their well. You know, I'm in my 30s, and I hear from a lot of readers in their 20s and 30s and 40s. Like somebody told me about this great book, so I picked up a book for the first time in ages, and I loved it. And now, what you know, what helped me find more? And it's the same way with our kids.
1: Yeah. And the other thing I think is just as a grownups, we schedule time for ourselves to read or we, we make time for ourselves Mm -hmm. to read and that's, we love it. But we, for the most part, well, I don't know, maybe this isn't necessarily true. (laughs) It depends. Um, I don't give myself a book list that I have to get through, you know? So basically I schedule all my time, but not my titles. Mm -hmm. And I try to do that with my kids too. So I don't ever assign particular books for my kids to read. I give them lots and lots of space and time to read. And I fill the books with, or they fill the shelves rather Mm -hmm. with really good books. And I find that that makes a much healthier relationship between them and reading than it would if I told them, these are the 10 books that you're going to read this year, which completely turns it into a school assignment. And once something's a school assignment, nobody wants to do it anymore.
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay. So... I'd be interested to hear how you bring books into your household in such a way that your children are interested in reading them. And the reason I'm asking is we're coming up on the Christmas season, and I love to give books as gifts for kids. And, you know, I love to get books as gifts. And a lot of people are in that same boat. Like, they love giving books because they feel like they're giving something that has actual value and endurance and won't end up at the bottom of the, you know, toy heap broken by January 15th. However... There's that danger of giving a child a book and saying, here, I want you to read this and thereby ensuring that they will never touch it. So (laughs) do you have advice? Like, I really want to help people who want to give books because they love reading and they love certain books and they just are so giddy at the idea of the children in their life that they love reading and enjoying these books. How do you choose books to give kids in such a way and how do you present them in such a manner that kids actually will read them?
1: Well, I think a lot of it goes back to whatever your general default is you, with your relationship and your child and the way you approach books together will speak to this. Because if you're always assigning books or giving them to them kind of like a school assignment or like you should read this because you're 12 and 12, all 12-year-olds 12 should read this, it's going to change all the dynamics in the future about any gifts, books you give as gifts or any other books that you bring into your home. Whereas if you change that relationship and just make it more like we're you know, book peeps that we're book peeps. Exactly. That were just book peeps that were, I love this book. And I think you will too. It will change. So one thing I've done is I will read Kidlit in front of my kids books that I know my kids are going to let to enjoy and I'll, you know, read them on my own, but just in their presence, right? So when everybody's reading or they'll see me reading in bed when they come in to kiss me goodnight or whatever. And, um, I don't ever tell them necessarily, you have to read this, but I might just, we have this concept of strewing, um, where you just like throw the kind of like lay the books around the house and don't necessarily say this book is for this particular child. But if you have, if you have a child, let's say that is really into, my son is kind of into architecture and also engineering, like the kind of way things work. So I can leave a David McCauley book, like the way things work now, which is mm-hmm. brand new edition mm-hmm. of that book, um, just on the coffee table or on the couch. And if I leave it there, he's very likely when he sits down on the couch, uh, at the end of the day or whatever, to just pick it up and start flipping through it, which is a totally different thing than me handing it to him and say, Hey, you should read this. So strewing or just leaving things out. In the home are a good idea. But if it comes to gifts, which you're totally just handing to a child, I would suggest getting books that you think your child would love, regardless of whether or not you think it has literary merit. (laughs) So don't just give your kids classics. Classics are fantastic. And at some point, your kids will probably be open to taking classics from you. Um, My girls now are very happy to take a classic from me because I think we've built up enough trust that they know I'm not just giving it to them to make them a better person, Mm -hmm. but because it's a really good book. Mm But be open to handing your child something that you don't necessarily see as high quality literary fare, but you think your child would just enjoy because then they'll see you as their partner and not, you know, somebody they have to kind of protect themselves from.
0: (laughs) And it's highly unlikely they'll still be reading Captain Underpants when they're 25. If you could go back and tell younger Sarah something about raising readers, a little bit of a do over situation here. What would you tell yourself?
1: I would tell myself not to worry if they aren't reading independently as early as I think they should. Um, I spent a lot of time and energy worrying about none of my older three kids were early readers. Um, in fact, my now eleven-year-old son didn't read until he was nine. I get, even though we live, we have a very bookish home. I was reading aloud constantly. I was trying to teach him how to read. He just wasn't ready. But I'll tell you what, we read aloud. A ton. So his ears were constantly filled with really good language and good stories. And when he was able to finally kind of master the decoding that you need to do in order to read on your own, he went from reading... Cat in the Hat to Harry Potter in the space of like two weeks. It was <laughs> believable <laughs> because the cadence and the language, it wasn't new. To, it wasn't all new to him. It felt very familiar once he was able to decode the words. So I wish I could go back and say, hey, you know what? Even if your kids can't read until they're nine, like chill out. The most important thing here is that your kids want to read and mm-hmm. that they will read even when no one is asking them to because they'll be able to read. They'll get that down. But you got to preserve that love or it's hard to get that back later on.
0: I love it. Great advice. Okay. We're going to take a break. And then when we come back, we are going to give real kids recommendations for what they should read next. Hey readers, I cannot wait to share these real kids asking for book recommendations with you. But first I want to thank brightly for sponsoring today's episode. It's worth the wait because brightly is a site that helps parents raise kids who love to read. They share book lists, Tips and advice, and inspiration for their reading life at readbrightly.com. Brightly has also launched Brightly Gifts, a brand new shop that features unique books and thoughtful products handpicked by the Brightly editors. I love giving books as gifts for special occasions, and as a parent, I love when my kids are given thoughtfully chosen books. But sometimes that's easier said than done because finding the right book is hard. Brightly Gifts' highly curated shop offers imaginative, age-based gifts that arrive as beautifully presented, ready-to-go presents that are perfect for baby showers, birthdays, holidays, and other gift-giving occasions. Brightly Gifts are also easy for long-distance grandparents and family members to share with little readers. Check out Brightly Gifts today at readbrightly.com slash gifts. Use the code BGHOLIDAY2016 to get 20% off any purchase plus free ground shipping. That's readbrightly.com slash gifts and enter the code BGHOLIDAY2016 to get 20% off your purchase. We have a treat for you today. Back in October, we asked our newsletter subscribers if they had any kids in their lives who wanted a personalized book recommendation in a future episode, and wow, did you respond. I wish I could play every single one for you because these kids' questions were wonderful and adorable. We chose them based on the variety of ages and interests of the readers, but I wish we could play them all. We're kicking it off with Avery, here goes. Hi, my name is Avery and I'm five years old. And I'm starting to read some books, and my favorite book is Elephant and Piggy. It's so funny. What should I read next?
1: Oh, my gosh, that message just slays me.
0: <laughs> She's so Isn't adorable. She the cutest. Avery, yeah. we're glad you're starting to read some books now. Also, Elephant and Piggy is so great. I just I love those books. I they're love
1: so funny, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, because I've read them over and over and over to my six-year-old.
1: Well, and you probably like them just as much as she does, I bet. Or at least laugh as often. (laughs) Well, the first 20 times.
0: So, but of all the ones to read over and over again, you know, Elephant and Piggy are pretty great. If you haven't found those readers, go check them out. Okay, Sarah, what do you think?
1: Okay, so if you like Elephant and Piggy, Avery, I would suggest that you find Fox and Crow Are Not Friends. That one's written by Melissa Wiley. Another one that I thought um, you might like is Pete the Cat. Anne, have you ever read any of Pete the Cat's? We really like Pete the Cat at my house.
0: My six-year-old Silas came home from school with one one day, and I did not know Pete the Cat until he went to kindergarten. But we have now read all the hardcover books, which we love. My, my child wants more Pete the Cat in his life, of course, and there are tons of I Can Read Pete the Cat books, just the little small $4 ones. Those do not have the same feel to them. Your child will probably want to read them if... If he loves Pete the cat or if she loves Pete the cat, but there's a definite difference in tone and quality between the two. So words of warning before you dive in.
1: Yeah, I think that's kind of true for a lot of the I can read books. Plus, Mm -hmm. they look like the same books that your kids are probably having to read, like being required to read at school. And so the hardbacks will have a different, definitely a different feeling. Yes, Definitely.
0: I also recommend a great book by B.J. Novak called "The Book with No Pictures," and it's true, it has no pictures. But here's why you want to read it anyway. When a grown-up reads this book to you, they have to say really silly things like "blork" and "blurf" and "badungy face," and my face is made of blueberry pizza. And they even have to talk about a hippo named Boo Boo Butt, which sends my kids into fits of giggles every single time. And parents, this book can be enjoyed for kids as young as three or four. But if you're reading it in a room with middle schoolers around, they'll sit up and pay attention and yeah it really is the same bj novak from the office so whatever preconceptions you have about that for good or ill it really is a good book it's a lot of fun hello my name is dane and i just started my first year of middle school i really enjoyed loot hunger games and percy jackson i was wondering if you could recommend any books like that thanks all right sarah what do you think
1: Okay, this one's easy for me because, Dane, if you have not read anything by N.D. Wilson, you want to check him out. He's got a whole series called 100 Cupboards. He's got a brand new series that just started called Outlaws of Time. But all of his books, including The Dragon's Tooth, The Boys of Blur, they're really fantastic. And if you like books that are intense, like The Hunger Games, that have an element of magic like Percy Jackson, you're going to love, love, love N.D. Wilson's books. Hi,
0: Mrs. Bogle. My name is Sienna, and I'm 11. I'd like a book with a strong plot, any fiction series, and each book over 400 pages. I didn't like the Harry Potter series, but I love the Pegasus series by Kate O'Heron. Thank you. She called me Mrs. Bogle.
1: (laughs) That's such a great message. Okay, so this one was great because I went straight to my daughter, who um, also really loved the Pegasus series, and she had some instant recommendations for you. What did she say? Okay, she said, the Fablehaven books by Brandon Mull, those are favorites for both my son and my daughter. They both love them. And they're long, and they have good, strong plots. Um, And then also, the Septimus Heat books. The first one is called Magic, M-A-G-Y-K. Have you read any of those? Yes, that's so funny. (laughs)
0: Sarah, I did exactly the same thing. I went to my 11-year-old daughter, and she also recommended the
1: Septimus Heat books. Uh, Yeah, that's perfect then. (laughs) I
0: played Sienna's little clip for her. And the first thing I thought of, and Sarah did too, that would be Sarah, my daughter. She also said, well, she hasn't read the Pegasus series, but Sarah loves a series that sprung to mind for her. And we had to look it up. The first book clocks in at exactly 400 pages. It is the Rupert Redford series by Lauren Child. So if you know Lauren Child from Charlie and Lola for the younger yeah. Yeah, yeah, or Clarice Bean. So in Clarice Bean, Ruby Retford is Clarice Bean's favorite fictional heroine. Child brought her back and made her own book series about her. So she is a girl spy. And they are not... If Sienna didn't like Harry Potter, I'd like these for her. Because Ruby Redford is more childlike, but they're not childish. They're imaginative, but they're still a little realistic. And for adult readers, they're pretty good. It's a fun series. There's four books in it so far, and it could be a nice change of pace from that fantasy. I have not seen those, so I'm writing that down. Well, they're fun. They're really fat, and they look pretty side by side on a bookshelf too. That's important. That is important. We have the oh, Sienna, this. Hmm. We'll see. We're tossing out a good long series for an 11 year old girl. I thought of it because the mother daughter book club series looks really oh. nice on a bookshelf with the hardcover edition. They're polka yes, dots. Yes, it on does. The spines. Any girl ages in my house is about age seven or eight. They're actually intended for a little bit older, but there's nothing I found like objectionable in content yeah. about yeah. them. But it's about middle school girls being girls. Realistic fiction. These are Sarah. You were saying that your reluctant reader went from reading Cat and Hat to reading Harry Potter in the span of two weeks. Mm-hmm. That would be my third child, Lucy. She was the one on the podcast back in April. She didn't get it until she got it, and she started reading smoothly, independently when she was seven. Uh, You know, she was sounding out words the week before, and then all of a sudden, she was reading The Mother-Daughter Book Club, because when it clicked, it clicked um, in in the span of two weeks. But yeah, my
1: older daughter loved that series.
0: If you have a child who loves realistic fiction about kids like them that they can relate to, it's a great series to try. I don't know if all the books are over 400 pages, but they're not short, and there's plenty of them.
1: Yes, definitely. Definitely. Hi, Miss Anne. My name is Ivy, and I'm nine and a half years old. I love descriptive books, such as the Tuesdays at the Castle series. I'm excited to hear your recommendations. Thank you, Sarah. What do you think? Okay, first of all, if you haven't seen The Wide Awake Princess by Edie Baker, I believe that's the first book in the series. I'm not sure how many are in the series now, but my daughter, who loved Tuesdays at the Castle, also loved The Wide Awake Princess, and I think you'll you'll enjoy that as well. Another one. And this was one of my favorites that I read last year and my kids loved it too. It's really funny, very descriptive, kind of silly in a, in a good way. It's called the rise and fall of Mount majestic by Jennifer Trafton. This is probably one of the best kids' books I've ever read, but it's really, really good. My kids loved it. And I had all of my kids listening to this one out loud from the 15 year old down to the four year old, my four year old daughter. They all loved it so much. So if you liked Tuesdays at the Castle, I bet you'll like The Rise and Fall of Mount Majestic. And then my other recommendation for you is Princess Academy by Shannon Hale, which some of my girls have read more than once because they thought it was so wonderful.
0: I was thinking Princess Academy as well. I really like the sound of those other two. I'm going to go find them for my daughter.
1: Yeah. Shannon Hale, who wrote the Princess Academy, is coming on to the Read Aloud Letter revival um, in December and to meet the kids. And answer their questions live on screen i'm super excited about that that sounds amazing
0: hi i'm jace from wisconsin and i'm 10 years old i like the books harry potter and warriors will you find me a good book series to get me through the winter i'm not surprised the kids (laughs) want to know what to read if they love harry potter you must get this a lot what do you think
1: we get it all the time. And I'll tell you, when you finish reading a series that you absolutely loved, especially if you love something as wonderful as Harry Potter, it's really, really hard to find something else that will fit the bill. But I have a couple that I think could that could give Harry Potter a run for their money. So I'm going to throw a few of these out, out there for you, Dace. The first one is called The Wing Feather Saga. The first book in this series is On the Edge of the Dark Sea of Darkness. There's four books in this series, and I have heard plenty of children say they like it even better than Harry Potter. So give it a whirl and see what you think. It's pretty fantastic. There's a lot of fantasy elements just like Harry Potter and Warriors. Um, it's a bit intense but not too scary that um, it's not suitable for a 10-year-old. I think you're going to really, really like that one. Another series that's great and nice and big and fat and will take you a bit to get through is the Mysterious Benedict Society by Trenton Lee Stewart. And these ones are a little bit mysterious. And um, when I started the first one, I had a hard time putting it down. So if you like page turners like Harry Potter, I think you'll probably enjoy the Mysterious Benedict Society. And then the other series that I would recommend is the Chronicles of Prydain by Lloyd Alexander. It starts with the Book of Three, and my daughter, who's a huge Harry Potter fan, had a hard time putting these ones down. I think she was surprised by how much she liked this series. So start with the Book of Three and see what you think.
0: Hi, I'm Sigrid. I'm ten. I live in Delaware, and. I like books that are about real kids in real situations. I also like graphic novels like Smile and Roller Girl, and I would love it if you could give me some more recommendations like that. Thank you. Sigrid, I'm going to tackle the graphic novels question because those are a little harder to find. First, I want you to check out Sunny Side Up by Jennifer and Matthew Holm. So Yay! It- <gasps> Yay! Do you know this one? <laughs> Yes, that's the one I was going to recommend, too. Oh, awesome. Okay, so 10-year-old Sunny ends up in a retirement community in Florida because of some family troubles. So Walt Disney World is hours away. She can't do that. A trip to the post office is where the big adventure happens. So she has to figure out what is she doing with all these senior citizens in Florida and of course all the old ladies love her and there are some funny little comics about that but she finds one other child around named Buzz who's the son of the groundskeeper and she discovers superhero comics and then adventures in Sue it's a lot of fun the next one i'm going to recommend is frazzled by bookie vivat who i met in person and she is a delight Your heroine is Abby Wu, who is a Chinese-American tween, and she is worried about everything. She just thinks she's doomed. She's about to start middle school, and she says that nothing good ever happens in the middles. And she (laughs) feels like her family doesn't understand her, and she has a younger sister who's just adorable. Her name is Clara. She says cute things and she looks cute and it's just really annoying to have a baby sister who's so cute and her big brother is good at everything and she's just stuck in the middle generally freaking out as you can see it's ripe for comic potential it's a lot of fun finally If you haven't checked out the Babysitter's Club graphic novel series, that series is beloved by people my age and people your age because it's about real kids in real situations. So there aren't a ton of these available yet because the graphic novel editions are new, but they are being put out starting with number one. And readers who already love the series can experience the graphic novel edition. And if you've never read the Babysitter's Club, it sounds like this way to experience it is right up your alley.
1: Hi, my name is Marin and I'm eight years old and I love the Magic Tree House. Do you think you could help me find a series just as good? Yeah, that's a great question, Maren. And I love it when you find a good series, right? It's really hard to find something else another series that will capture you just as much. But if you haven't read Encyclopedia Brown yet, I think you should try it. Because Encyclopedia Brown is a 10-year-old detective, and he's got this uncanny knack for trivia and solving mysteries in his neighborhood. Um, his dad is also the police chief in the city, and so at the dinner table in the evening, um, Encyclopedia Brown, who's 10, helps his dad solve some of his hardest, trickiest crimes. So they're really fun. Um, they're a little bit of mysterious, and they're not quite magical like Magic Treehouse, but I think you'll like them anyway, and there's a whole bunch of them. And then another series that I think is really fun are the McBroom books. And there's only a couple of them, so they won't take you very long, but I bet you'll love them. McBroom's Wonderful One Acre Farm is a little collection of three stories that are pretty um, fun and funny. Anne, have you read any of the McBroom's books? No, I've never heard of the McBroom's books. Oh, they're really fun and they're quick, but they're they're about Josh McBroom who he learns and in the one wonderful one acre farm, he learns that the eighty acres that he just purchased in Iowa are all actually eighty acres stacked on top of each other in this muddy pond. And so he thinks he's, to quote the book, bamboozled. It's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty wonderful read. Yeah. So that's what I would recommend for you, Marin.
0: The Rite of Passage books at our house, when we graduated Magic Treehouse, we went on to the A to Z Mysteries, which are likable because there are just so many of them. And it's a small step up in reading level, but it's definitely a step up. They're called the A to Z Mysteries because they have names like the Absent Author, the Bald Bandit, the Canary Caper, and it just goes on and on and on. This series is about three kids named Dink josh and ruth who live in a small little town in connecticut and they're third graders they live near each other and their hobby is figuring out a good mystery so you do not need to read these in order you can just get whatever you like if you're like my kids you just snag whatever ones the library happens to have in stock just dive in they're a lot of fun sarah it's been so much fun talking books with you today thanks so much for
1: coming on oh thanks for having me this has been a blast
0: Hey readers, weren't those kids amazing? I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. And I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Sarah as well. Head over to the podcast site for the full list of titles Sarah and I talked about today, including the books we recommended to the kids. That page is at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash 49. Let me know there what you thought of our recommendations and share your recommendations for what the kids should read next or what you think Sarah and I would love. Thanks again to today's sponsor, Brightly, a site that helps parents raise kids who love to read. It's packed with resources for adults who want to help the kids in their lives find books they'll love. Search for great books by age, from toddlers to teens, or by popular topics, whether you want picture books or printables or to join in on their family book club. You'll also find plenty of tips and advice to help you and your kids get the most out of your reading experience. Check it out at readbrightly.com. Also, make sure you check out Brightly Gifts, a brand new shop that features unique books and thoughtful products handpicked by the Brightly editors. Check out Brightly Gifts today at readbrightly.com gifts. Use the code BGHOLIDAY2016 to get 20% off any purchase plus free ground shipping. That's readbrightly.com gifts and enter the code BGHOLIDAY2016 to get 20% off your purchase. If you love KidLit the way Sarah and I do, you're going to want to check out all the other ways to participate in Reading for a Lifetime this week. I'm hosting two Twitter chats for the first time, one on Monday, November 14th, which is the day this episode goes live, and the next on Thursday, the 17th. Both chats will be at 2 p.m. Eastern time. We'll be talking all about children's literature, raising readers, the importance of reading models and mentors, and incorporating the joy of KidLit into your life, even as an adult. You can follow me at Ann Bogle, that's Anne with an E, B as in books, O-G-E-L, and turn on my tweet notifications to be alerted when the conversation starts. I'm so ready to chat with you. We're also hosting an Instagram photo challenge this week. Follow the podcast at What Should I Read Next to see all the details there. Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reina Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone.